Good afternoon, everyone. We are live from the UN General Assembly in New York. I am Kate Midden here with UN correspondent Amy Lieberman to give you a look inside this week's biggest news. Amy, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. It's great to be here. So we are going to start with global health. Uh, you probably heard, if you are a consumer of DevX, that today is the high-level meeting on NCDs. Yesterday we had the high-level meeting on tuberculosis. What have we seen today from the high-level meeting on NCDs, and what does it mean that there is a high-level meeting at UNGA this year on this topic? So this is actually the third high-level meeting on NCDs. It's happened since 2001, um, which I think is important to think about just in terms of contextualizing the high-level meeting on tuberculosis in particular because it is the first one that's happened on TB. Um, in terms of NCDs, what we're really watching for, I think, are individual country commitments to address issues like sugar and um, alcohol and general food industry-related problems that could contribute to NCDs. Um, in terms of the actual agreement the governments are signing, I think there has been some voice disappointment from some civil society organizations that there aren't really the strong measures that they were hoping for, specifically related to food and alcohol, um, in the document. So are there any major commitments that have happened today? Um, we did hear that the Central African Republic is going to quadruple, I believe, its health budget related to this. And I think we're still waiting on other commitments from individual countries. So I'm curious about um, the civil society conversation around today's high-level meeting on mm -hmm. NCDs. So yesterday we had high-level meeting on tuberculosis, and that really came out from mixed reviews. There's been a lot of momentum around tuberculosis at other major conferences. We've heard a lot of leaders in the tuberculosis space really come out talking about this momentum. But then the actual political agreement did not seem to have a clear roadmap for really making progress. Mm -hmm. So what are we having, getting a same sense that that's what's happening today with NCDs? Or does it feel like the momentum is holding a little bit more water? I think it's a similar story, to be honest. Um, there is disappointment related to the tuberculosis meeting because there was not really a lot of funding or any funding from what I'm aware of attached to that meeting. And I think people who've been working in this space feel like this is a disease that you know kills more than HIV and malaria together. It's a huge amount of people that are affected by this worldwide. So why haven't we really been dealing with this broadly on the international stage? Um, the attention that that was brought, I think just yesterday, was it's important, and I think it's a conversation starter and a changer in that in that way. But I think there are really still questions about what the impact of this will be moving forward, how this will be tracked, how the funding gap will be closed. So all those questions are still out there. And I think with NCDs, it is a similar story that the document people are saying really should have been a lot stronger, and that we're just not fully there in terms of making the strong commitments. What happened to sort of underlie this? Like, why wasn't the document stronger? Um, both, both for TB, but also for NCDs. Right. So there are two different points, I believe, for, for each of those issues. On TB, there was an issue surrounding TRIPS, which is um, an acronym that relates to the production of generic drugs. So one of the big problems with TB right now is that people are not able to access treatment. They're not diagnosed properly. And that the, the drugs for a lot of people are really painful, they're really physically difficult to take, um, they're outdated, and they can be expensive. 
So there's an issue related to the U.S. blocking a, a text in that agreement saying that countries should be able to go and manufacture or recreate these drugs in a generic manner that'd be more accessible to people. Um, that, I believe, is not really in there in terms of exactly how this will be implemented. Uh, similar related to NCDs, there was discussion over sugar and food and all of those issues. Um, and I believe that the language on that, from what I've heard, also kind of as a result of some pressure placed by the U.S., is not particularly strong. So the U.S. had a decent role in having the outcome document not be as strong as it could have been. I think there were other actors at play. Cause, yeah, in both the TB and the NCD document, uh, it's understood that they have been forceful and kind of pushing on this a little bit and saying we don't want these issues really dealt with fully. Yeah, I mean, the, the global, global burden of tuberculosis is so high. And then also, when we talk about something like NCDs, mm -hmm. it feels like it's a little bit more tangible for people, for just for people on the day-to-day. -day. I think um, I saw earlier today that during the assembly, Tedros asked everyone in the room to stand up if you've been affected by non-communicable disease. Right. And essentially everyone in the room stood up. Of course, yeah. So it's, you know, on tuberculosis, it feels like there was all of this momentum. It's, of course, disappointing that there's not been more, that that didn't kind of come to fruition during these meetings, mm -hmm. but it feels like a good start. With NCDs, it just feels even more surprising that there wouldn't have been some kind of stronger action to result from the meetings. Right. And I think my sense is part of that has to do with some industry influence as well. I understood there was a meeting, actually, that was... Um, held by a beer company at the UN, which some activists were not particularly impressed with. Um, Wait, please expound. I think they were, it was, it was a, I forget the company, but it was a meeting that was really just a session on the beer industry's contributions uh, to this issue, which is, some believe, suspect, given the role alcohol has played uh, with NCDs. One thing I should mention is that I understand that there is going to be a new a WHO um, announcement on alcohol tomorrow, a partnership, which we should be thinking about. And I think someone mentioned as well, I thought this was interesting, that the discussion on NCDs has been broadened this week to think about air pollution, for example, as one of the major contributors. So going beyond the traditional ones of uh, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, cancer, and one more, <laughs> mm -hmm. diabetes. It's something that we will definitely be keeping an eye mm -hmm. on. Okay, this... I'm stuck on this point about the beer company having the media at the UN because it actually portends to this other conversation that's been happening at UNGA among folks who are attending not just the UN General Assembly but some of the side events. So last week the Concordia Summit is a big staple splashy signature side event that happens on the sidelines of UNGA. Um, the World Health Organization chief, Dr. Tedros, was supposed to speak and then the night before pulled out because it was co-sponsored by Philip Morris. Oh, wow. So it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting kind of intersection that's happening behind the scenes here at UNGA that there does seem to be a little bit of tension between the corporate sponsorships and the role of the private sector and the outcomes that a lot of UN, the UN community and civil society are pushing for. At the same time, a lot of conversation about how they need to be working together. Yeah, and I think that industry influence is really strong. Um, as I mentioned, I think that can make it really hard for countries to make strong commitments on this issue. Um, 
I spoke with Kelly Henning from Liberty Philanthropies last week in anticipation of this week about some of the efforts that they're doing on the ground uh, really related to obesity. And it does seem like there is momentum happening at a national level, I think, on some of these issues still. Yeah. So the other big thing that we should probably talk about is President Trump. Mm -hmm. uh, he has had a few engagements. They have been interesting, at times curious. But one thing that we have been tracking, and in particular our, our senior reporter Michael Igo has really been on top of, is this um, this happening around a foreign assistance review. Can you give us a little bit of background on this and just and let our audience know what we know about that? Sure. So I think this is, I mean, for me at least, I didn't feel like what was being said by him was particularly uh, new in that we've heard this threat before that the U.S. is going to reconsider aid um, and direct it only towards governments that are friends of the United States. Which means really the gist of it, meaning that if we don't, if the United States is not aligned with them politically, I imagine, or socially, it wasn't really explained fully that funding could be withheld. So, I mean, we saw that already happening with UNRWA, with the U.N. Palestinian um, Aid Agency earlier this year just even expanded upon just a month ago that all aid is now rescinded from them, I believe in part because of political disagreements there. Um, but I think that's something we're going to really have to watch in terms of what does this mean if the U.S. US actually going to make good on this threat, what countries could this affect and how will this redirect aid? Yeah, I mean it gets particularly interesting when we think about things like humanitarian response yeah. and of course the U.S. is the biggest donor to humanitarian assistance and those are supposed to, underlying that is supposed to be the humanitarian principles. So if you're making decisions about dispersing particularly humanitarian aid based on who your friends are, mm -hmm. that does not really seem to align with the global system in which we're all supposed to operate. No, it does not. Um, but again, I think that this, it, it falls in line with Trump's America First policy, that we really are out there to protect, our, to protect the United States' own interests, not necessarily to serve as this, I don't know, at times global peacekeeper or just helper in terms of the, the world's largest humanitarian crisis. It's, it's a very different, it is different, I think, in terms of the shift that we're seeing coming from the Trump administration. Um, but I think it remains to be seen exactly how that will be targeted next here. Yeah. Just sort of a peek under the hood, and this is just cleaning from, again, Michael's reporting, is that it was interesting to learn that there were a number of, a number of people in the development community who were a little afraid that they were going to hear more about the outcomes of this review yeah. than you know, more of announcing it because it sounds like they had been, there were people who had been reaching out to the administration for weeks trying to get information. They couldn't find it. You know, Trump mentioned that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is going to be leading it. That was not the original plan. Mm -hmm. um, you know, is there anything that we can glean aside from this idea that money will be more tied to who our friends are or allies or national security that we can kind of into it from Trump's comments this week? I think one comment that I heard, um, not directly, but from uh, just through DevEx, which I found to be kind of disturbing is that USAID, you know, might not even exist 10 years from now. So some questions, some really big questions just related to are, is the United States going to continue to be, you know, a really big donor, a really important donor when it comes to humanitarian aid, foreign aid? Um, and I think that's something to think about, something that I that not really occurred to me before, that, you know, aside from just targeting the funding, it could just be rescinded more and more and more. Yeah, that, yeah. that is a scary thought. Um, 
and you know it is worth noting this may be obvious but that if Mike Pompeo is the one who's leading this foreign assistance review then what kind of agency will USAID have right you know if their leadership is not are not the ones that are kind of leading on that effort is something that we will definitely be keeping a closer eye on mm -hmm. any other major takeaways from this week before we wrap up we saw some uh, firm commitments. I spoke with the European uh, Commission on International Development this morning uh, related to funding for Latin America. It's going to receive $50 million out of the Spotlight Initiative for Violence Against Women. Um, there are also been efforts announced to really beef up uh, food security, food insecurity aid. We have heard about um, Yemen and really just how the crisis is going to require more funding into next year, which I think is important to think about, that it really is, despite all the interventions that have been going on, it remains still just politically a mess, and there's a lot more work needed in there. Early in the, earlier in the week, there was a big meeting where right. a bunch of leaders came out and said, you know, in Yemen, this is the world's worst crisis, mm -hmm. and it looks like it is just going to it's get worse. just going to get worse, basically, yeah. And there are no real easy answers for that, I think, at this point. Um, and then, as well, I believe later today there's going to be a briefing on uh, uh, Palestine and really what the cuts to the UN to UNRWA have, have met so far. Well, thank you so much for keeping an eye on all of these important topics, Amy. Thank you. Kate, it's great to be here and to chat a little. So you can go ahead and follow Amy on Twitter at Amy Lieberman to keep on top of all of our reporting. You can also get all of our reporting from UNGA at devx.com.